Right, question. Have you ever had one of those days where everything just goes wrong? It doesn't matter what it is. On days like that, everything's against you. Maybe the car, it may be the children, it may be your boss, it may be the buses, it may be the barrister in the lo- barrister, barista, the barrister turning your coffee, uh, the barista um, serving your coffee. It could be a million things, but it's like one thing after the other on those days just goes wrong, doesn't it? It may start off with a bit of a barney with the missus, and you get out of the house, and suddenly you're covered in water, and the dogs bit you, and the birds are pooing on you. Everything. Everything goes wrong. Here are a few examples of people having a bad day whilst out in their car. Three women were talking to each other and one stepped back and one stepped forward. I had to have an accident. The guy was all up the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. The pedestrian had no idea which direction to run, so I ran over him. A man was caught speeding. He said, I know I was going fast. I was trying to get the snow off my windshield so I could see where I was going. One man, pursued by a police car, said, my wife ran off with a policeman and when I saw you flashing lights, I didn't stop because I thought for a second you might be returning her. Just a few examples. Not very good, like my Christmas jokes, don't worry. But we've all had those days, haven't we? We've all had those times. It's like you wake up and you're full of optimism and then you get out of bed and it starts going terribly wrong. By the end of the day, you're just thankful you made it back into bed in one piece and you can start again tomorrow. A lot of time when things go on around us beyond our control, we begin to carry resentment, hurt, discouragement, trouble. It could be because of a decision made we have no control over. It could be watching a close relative or even a child make a silly choice. It could be our workplace. It could be a number of things that we witness and experience and we begin to feel hurt, discouraged, afflicted, troubled. Nine times out of ten it will be because of another person. And we can begin to carry resentment and bitterness around with us. That's not healthy. And the sooner that we forgive, the better Now, I'm not talking this morning about unforgiveness. That is another series on its own. I'm talking about the hurt that we can begin to carry around with us. It's not always by choice. We don't decide to pick it up. But ourselves and our emotions can easily be affected. And before you are even aware, there is hurt. We carry it with us for a long time sometimes. Some cases it gets into who we are, and if we're not careful, it can have all kinds of effects on us, spiritually, emotionally, and sometimes physically. So what do we do? What can we do? What choices do we have? For me and for you, the encouraging thing is that we do have a choice. We don't have to continually carry it all around with us. We can change things. We can trade in our hurts and receive the gift of comfort. We don't have to carry every bad thing that has ever happened in our lives with us because your shoulders are not heavy enough, amen? You haven't got a bag big enough to carry 
every single resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness and every time someone's hurt you and every time your coffee has been served cold. He's got things this morning with coffee. Because of Jesus, the gift, the greatest gift, we can experience the gift of comfort. The Apostle Paul was a great man. He was a man that encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus where he was on his way to kill Christians. And he encountered Jesus there and then. And this encounter changed his life to the point where he wrote most of the New Testament. And he writes loads of letters to lots of different churches. And in one of those letters to the church that was in a place called Corinth, he writes this in 2 Corinthians 11. Don't worry, you don't have to open your Bibles today. It's on the Sky Bible behind me. And you can read it along with me. And in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 23 says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. That's a bad day. That's more than a bad day, isn't it? If Paul's saying, if, if anybody could moan right now, it'd be me. We get those, don't we? We know those people. See, I'm having a bit of a bad day. Well, it's not as bad as mine, I tell you. It's not as bad as mine. They didn't put sugar in my coffee. No, who knows? Paul experienced it all. Wherever he went, he faced opposition and he faced persecution. If anyone had a license to carry around hurt, it was this man. Paul experienced so much more than the hurt of this world. And when you read that list of all he's been through, you have to ask, how did he deal with it? How did he cope with it? And the answer to our questions is found in another part of the same letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Again, it will be behind me. He writes this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. 
Have you ever been in that moment where you've despaired of life itself? He goes on to write, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that we continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. In this translation alone of this scripture, which was originally in Greek, in the NIV version, the word comfort is mentioned eight times. In other translations, it's mentioned a few more. But this word comfort means to come alongside and to help. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. In the book of John, he says, it's best that I should go so that I will send you the comforter. It's the same word, the one who would come alongside. The same word used for the Holy Spirit, the comforter. Comfort. God's comfort is a comfort of assurance. You are in a relationship with God. Some of you would have gone into an airport and you would have already booked in before you've got to the airport. You've already got your boarding pass. You've already got your plane tickets. Everything is under control. You are confident and you know where you are going. Others run into the airport and they're all over the place. They're flabbergasted. They're shaking. They're nervous. They're going left, right and centre. They're hurried. They're scattered. They're all over the place because right now they haven't even got a plane ticket. They don't know where they're going. They're not confident of the next step. Does that make sense? Jesus gives us comfort of assurance because we know where we are going. Just reminded, Derek is sat there with his boarding pass in hand because he's off, off to Australia in the next few moments for Christmas. It's nice for some, isn't it? But, If you know Christ today, you have the comfort of knowing that you belong to Jesus. And you know where you are going. And you know whose you are, who you belong to. Romans 8 verse 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. I always get heirs. We are heirs. Heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You have the assurance this this morning. that You have the right and the place and the posture to cry out, Abba, Father. And you only get to cry out, Abba, Father, because of Jesus. Bless you, Derek. Enjoy life down under. He's going on to I'm a celebrity. That's what you didn't know, didn't you? 
But that same passage of scripture that we're going to read in a moment when Hannah said her goodbyes. See you, Derek. Bless you, mate. We will pray. Go for it, mate. Go for it, mate. Anyway. Anyway. That same passage of scripture was paraphrased by a great pastor called Eugene Peterson. And that same passage, he says it like this. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. You don't have to live in fear. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. You can deal with most things when you have the assurance that God is on your side and you belong to him. And it's available through his precious son, Jesus. And it's available today. God's comfort is a comfort of empowerment. To fulfill his purposes. The Holy Spirit empowers us to accept God's love. That same love that calls us children then gives us room to change. Gives us grace to change. The Holy Spirit gives us a peace that goes beyond understanding in the hardest of times. It's a peace that gives us the understanding that we're not perfect. But we're on a journey. We're all on a journey. Nobody's perfect. We're all going in the same direction, some quicker than others. It's a peace that helps us to serve those around us. A peace that we don't think we're better than anyone else. We're not holier than anyone else. But our lives are fuller. And we know the blessing of knowing God and his love. And that peace frees us from trying to please others. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to behave a certain way. You don't have to be who people expect you to be. It's a peace that with ourselves means we can live in ways that make peace with others because we have peace. We're empowered by the Spirit to love our enemies. To live as a Christian when it's the hardest thing to do. When Jesus died on the cross, one of his last words were, Forgive them, Father, for they know what, what they for they know not what they do. He loved his enemies to the last moment. It's one of the hardest things to do when someone punches you in the face and says, Bless you, brother. Hopefully that won't happen this week. But it's what we're called to do as apprentices to Jesus, to love everybody, to love our enemies. No matter what happens on Thursday, no matter what the result, no matter what you choose to vote, you love your enemies. Whatever political assuasion you are, you love your enemies. You love those around you. 
The Holy Spirit gives us purpose. God calls each one of us into ministry. Ministry is not just about standing on a platform on a Sunday morning. Ministry is how you live your life in the world out there. And he calls us to an individual ministry that is bigger than any of us. And none of us can do it. None of us can do the work of Christ by ourselves. And the Holy Spirit equips us with gifts and provisions and moments where he is stronger and more powerful than we can ever understand. Now you may feel that you have little to offer. The Spirit gives us gifts. Sometimes other people see our gifts best. What gifts do you see in the others at your table? What do you speak out over each other? What do you recognize about each other? Rather than saying, you can't sing, why don't you say something else? I'm not saying. Rather than point out something that someone can't do, why don't we be a, a community that edify each other and say, actually, I can see this gift in you and you're good at this and you're good at that and have you thought about this? Because calling is confirmed in community. It's no good sitting in a dark room and saying, God called me. I'm using this as an example, okay? I'm using this as an example. It's no good sitting in a dark room on your own saying, God called me to lead worship and then coming to lead worship and you can't play an instrument and you can't sing because your community will go, uh, you're not a worship leader. Hopefully they'll do it with grace and gentleness and kindness. But you know what I mean? Calling is confirmed in community. Your gifts are encouraged in community. The gifts is not just, well, I can count a bit of money. Oh, you better get on the counting team. Oh, well, I can get up at six o'clock in the morning. Well, you better get on the hope run. It's not, it's not about that. It's the gifts of everyday life and everyday service and everyday ministry, wherever you find yourselves from Sunday to Sunday. Your ministry is wherever you find yourself tomorrow morning. However you transport yourself to work, whatever you're doing during the day is your ministry, whatever is in front of you. And God gives you and empowers you with everything that you need to be more Christ-like in your community. Does that make sense? So we get, in comf we get comfort to know that he empowers us. And God's comfort is a comfort. comfort. I've, I've read that one. I'm, turn the page. But we don't do it alone. Amen. We have the comfort of his presence. You're not alone. You may feel that you're alone. But you're not. In the hardest of times when no one else is around you, you're still not alone. Romans 8.38. Again, this is the Apostle Paul writing these words. Remember, this is the same Paul that was shipwrecked, beaten, tortured, persecuted, spat at, stoned, not smoking weed, thrown bricks at, all kinds of things. This is the same Paul. Okay? He writes this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we read 
the statement that Paul has been through. And even through all of that, Paul still experiences and knows and understands the presence of God in his life. Nothing will ever separate me. And sometimes, and the world will say, well, you're just going through horrendous season. Surely God's not with you. God doesn't love you because this has happened to you and this has happened to you and that's what the world expects. And I can understand that. But in the hardest of times, the bleakest of times, the, 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 the darkest of times, God is with us. Psalm 46, verse 1. This is David, King David. He was a shepherd. And he writes this. He was chased through the hills by armies. His own son wanted to kill him. He says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. David was on the run. He never felt alone. Hebrews 13. I don't know who wrote Hebrews, but this is a great truth. In, in the second half of verse 5 in chapter 13, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Whatever hurts we carry, whatever situation we find ourselves in, we can remind ourselves this morning. Whatever pain we feel, whatever isolation we feel, whatever burdens we are carrying, we, you, are not alone. We walk in relationship with Jesus. He's by our side in every storm of life and every hurt of life. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord is close to each one of us. And that's where my comfort is. And I don't know what tomorrow tomorrow may bring. But I know who will be in my corner. I don't know if anybody watched Anthony Joshua fight last night and win back his four belts. He did well. He boxed. And in his corner were people giving him the advice every, every two, after every round. He went back into his corner and they had a pep talk and he was ready to go back out into the next round and do what he needed to do to win back those belts. And he boxed smart and he boxed clever because of the people that were in his corner. Right now, this is the rest from life. Tomorrow morning, you're going to go back round into another round of whatever life throws at you and whatever punches are thrown your way. But right now, you're in a pep talk and Jesus is in your corner. He said, I've got you. You're not alone. And I'm going to give you everything that you need to go into tomorrow. Don't worry. You just get through tomorrow. I've got your back. I'm in your corner. I'm in your corner. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And because I know he is my corner, is in my corner, I have comfort in his guidance. Only a few weeks ago, we talked through the book of Esther, picking out a few topics. Esther is the story of how God used one woman to change the fate of an entire nation. If you weren't with us, you can listen again. Hope is dot life. Echoes. Hope is dot life slash echoes. Or hope is life on iTunes or hope is life on Anchor or Facebook. If you go on our Facebook page, you can listen all again. Just shameless plug there. Shameless plug. Keep listening. Keep listening. Four weeks we did on Esther. And we know and we learned that the entire story of God used one woman to change the fate of a nation. 
In every other book of the Bible, you find the name of God or Jesus over and over again. But in Esther, it's nowhere. The name of God is not mentioned in that book of the Bible. The the book of Esther is the only book out of the 66 books in the Bible where God is never mentioned. And even if you can't exactly find God's name, you can find his fingerprints in every moment of that story. We find God working through the lives of five people to carry out his will. Even though he's invisible, he isn't absent. And in fact, that's the theme of the entire book. God's invisible, but he isn't absent. And I may tell you this morning and speak it over your life. God may seem invisible right now, but he isn't absent. That's worth an amen. You with me? Yes. Good. If you could just remember that, if you could just remember that, it would help you make through life a lot easier. Even though we can't see him, God is working in our lives to carry out his will. Guiding us, directing us, leading us, most of the time without us even knowing. I wonder what it would look like if we knew and we saw everything he did. Everything he saved us from. Everything he closed doors on. Sometimes we think that we should be going one direction and the doors are closed. They're just closed. And we get frustrated. I wonder if we got a glimpse of why God closed that door, what would we say? What would we feel? He's never absent. I have no clue what's going to happen in the next minute, let alone the next week. But God doesn't have any problem in seeing what's ahead and what's coming. Augustine, a great man of God, he put it this way, trust the past to God's mercy, the present to God's love, and the future to God's providence. That word providence actually comes from two Latin words, pro, which means before, and video, which means to see. Video. Did you know that? Video. VHS. Video. What's one of those? Just go on Netflix. So providence means to see before. In other words, God sees beforehand and plans accordingly. He knows the mistakes you're going to make on Wednesday. That's not prophetic. But he's already put things in place. He knew the choices that I was going to make when I was 19 years old. But he still put things in place. Whatever we're going to do this week, he's already ahead of you. When we talk about the providence of God, we're talking about God's ability to see what's going to happen before it happens and adjust his plans to deal with it. God is never caught by surprises. You can't play hide and seek with him and go run away for a moment, and then suddenly jump out of the cupboard and go, whoa, I didn't know you were there. You can't surprise him. You can't surprise him by what comes out your mouth. You can't surprise him by the decisions that you make. You can't surprise him. And while we have no idea what's going to happen next, our invisible God is continually, constantly, confidently working behind the scenes to work his plans through. We're here. We're, I mean, we're going crazy. 
we're like, oh, I don't understand. I can't see. You're all over the place. You're screaming to God. What do you think you're doing? Why do you allow this to happen? But he, he knows exactly what he's doing. And he blesses us with incredible timing. But when he tests us, we squirm and we question. But none of it is by accident. Why? That first bit of scripture that we read out in Corinthians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. The gift of comfort has been given to you through your trials and has been given to you to comfort those around you. Every situation you find yourself in is in preparation for your ministry ahead of you. Past, present and future to further the kingdom of God. You are in training right now for the future plans of God. You will always be in training in preparation for your next season. And you will have moments where you will draw on your past. It will be the strength that you need. It will be the hope that you can give to somebody else who is in the same situation that you found yourselves in 10 years ago. Everything, everything that you've gone through is not wasted and will never be wasted. The gift you have been given is not for you to keep, but to give away to a world that needs it. 